Welcome back to the LED Project Podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger. Uh, unfortunately, Wilkie is at a training today, so I will be rocking solo, but we're super excited to have Katie from Teaching on Tables on the podcast today. Katie, how's it going? It's great. So excited to be here. Yeah, we were we were just joking a little bit prior to hitting the record button that um, you know I had emailed you a couple months ago, and I was so thrilled when last week you 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 sent me an email back, and it was like the sweetest email because you were super apologetic, and I was just like, no, okay, cool, let's <laughs> let's set it up. But you know, we uh, we understand, especially the because I think I, I looked I looked back to find when I sent you it was sometime in the middle of May, and I was like, man, that was just a bad idea. <laughs> To email a teacher in the middle of May when when the school year is winding down. So, but I'm glad we can make this happen. I'm so glad too. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, you know, to give you a little rundown and you know, make sure everybody that listens to the podcast understands, you know, what we're trying to do is we we feel like it's really important, uh, Wilkie and I, and and the work we do through our nonprofit, um, that the real teacher voice gets out there because a lot of you know, what, what is seen in the media and, and, you know, what is seen across social media doesn't always, doesn't always paint teachers in the best light. And we just feel like, and, and the podcast, every episode confirms that there's a lot more really amazing things going on in classrooms than, you know, ever get out into the public. And there's a lot more really great teachers out there than some of the ones you see on the internet. And we really want to make sure that, you know, our podcast, not only, um, inspires other teachers, but we, you know, we, we bring people on that can, you know, provide them value. And, and we're excited to have you because of, um, you know, we were talking about the power of Instagram, uh, like I, your, your, ins, your Instagram videos make me want to be in your class. <laughs> so, so we're Be kind. Thank you. We're excited. So if you don't mind, Katie, can you just give us a little bit of your background, uh, you know, how you got into the teaching profession and, and what you're teaching now? Absolutely. So I was always someone who loved school. I had some amazing teachers throughout my education experience. I don't think I always knew what I wanted to do, but I do remember a few moments when I felt strongly drawn to teaching. One of them was seeing the Ron Clark story, the movie starring Matthew Perry. Have you seen that? I have. Yeah. Oh, great. When I so I saw that when I was in high school, and I actually remember my family was visiting Chicago, and I made my parents stop at the Barnes and Noble there because I knew that they had the movie in stock, and I wanted to own it on DVD, which is so funny to think about. But that was definitely a hook for teaching, and and one of the first or the first entry point that drew me into Ron Clark. Um, so I went to the University of Notre Dame for undergrad, and they actually don't have an undergraduate education program. So I majored in theater. And it's funny to think back on it now from the perspective of a teacher, because part of the reason I was so drawn to the theater department at Notre Dame was because the classes were so interactive and engaging and different. And I loved that. I definitely had a much harder time in the some of the more gen ed lecture style classes Um, And I learned so much from my theater experience that has applied to teaching because truly as a teacher, you're not only a performer, you're a director, writer, producer, stage manager, the whole nine yards. So I've added a lot of tools to my teacher toolbox from my theater education. 
Mm-hmm. Notre Dame also has an interdisciplinary minor called Education, Schooling, and Society, which was awesome and really encouraged me to start asking questions about education. Um, so although they don't have an undergrad program, they do have a graduate teaching program. And when I started to realize how much I wanted to teach, I was drawn to that program right away. I think I heard about it maybe my first year there. So it's called ACE Teaching Fellows, and it's a two-year dual teacher certification and master's program where you take classes at Notre Dame during the summer and teach summer school your first summer, and then you take online classes during the year while you teach. So you're placed somewhere in the country to teach at an under-resourced Catholic school, and you live in community with other teachers. So I was placed in Tucson, Arizona. I lived with seven other teachers that were in the same program. I taught third grade my first year and second grade my second year. It was 100% the hardest thing I've ever done. It was a really challenging two years, uh, but I learned so much. And from there, after I finished the program, I had always had the itch to experience what it was like to live in a city And so I ended up coming to D.C. where I am now, and I teach fifth grade, which I love. I think fifth grade is an awesome year, and that's where I am today. Wow. I mean, I just want to ask like 400 questions about (laughs) what it's like to go to school at Notre Dame. I mean, that's like one of the most iconic universities in the country, and you know, it's as a big sports guy, that's that's one of like the iconic like bucket list sports things you got to do is to go to a game um, in South Bend. That must have been quite the experience to to be there. But so were the other teachers you taught with in Tucson were they Notre Dame students as well? So the graduate program is separate from undergrad. So there are I would I think I'm trying to remember. I think it was about half of the people in the graduate program had gone to Notre Dame for undergrad, but you didn't have to have gone there. So there were people from all over. So in my, the people that I lived with, um, yeah, some of them had gone to Notre Dame for undergrad and some hadn't, but I, yeah, both my parents went there and both my older siblings. So I say I have blue and gold in my veins It's a big part of my family, but I love Notre Dame. I had a great experience there. It's an awesome place. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I always, I I mean, and I think, you know, growing up, uh, you know, in the, in the late eighties, early nineties, right. When the movie Rudy came out, I think everybody that watched that movie just like had a, had a love for Notre Dame. And I guess I'm, I see how a lot of people dislike Notre Dame um, from an, and this is just from an athletic standpoint, you know, I don't know. I mean, like, to be able to go to the university is a pretty, pretty big honor. But I mean, I just, that, like you said, that blue and gold is awesome. And I very, very jealous. I could talk about that all day. <laughs> so, um, to try to, to try to reel myself back in. Um, so what do you think, um, in your opinion, Katie is the value of a great teacher? Oh my goodness. I just saw yesterday, Lanisha Tab. She's at Apron Education. She's so awesome. She posted this quote by Principal Baruti Kafeli, I think is how you say mm-hmm. his name. Yep. And the quote is, it is my strong contention that anyone who sets foot in a classroom to teach students must be of the mindset that I am the number one determinant of the success or failure of my students. 
And it's kind of a jarring quote because you're like, whoa. But honestly, it's I I just I think that a great teacher can do so much for a student. And it really the value of a great teacher is invaluable. You know, I think when you I, I was another thing, I remember just recently teach like a girl, Christina, she she was teaching, I think, a course to middle schoolers this summer, and she surveyed them on their favorite class they've taken and why. And I think she said almost all of them, if not all of them, said it was their favorite class because of the teacher. And it's just it's moments like that where you you are reminded of the fact that you it is a big responsibility, but a great teacher really can is the have the greatest single impact on our students. Yeah. You know, and, and, and Wilkie's been, been talking about this for a few months and, you know, really the podcast stemmed, he and I were teaching together in Houston and, um, you know, he, I I transferred into his school, uh, after my fourth year at a, at a point where I I was kind of at a, a a low point in, in my teaching career and kind of personally. And he was the person that really recognized that it was, more of what was going on with my personal life than it was my actual teaching practice. That was the problem that was, you know, like you said, that disconnect between me and my students. And he just started talking to me and, you know, this, this conversation that we're having is stemmed from those initial conversations that he and I had, but he's been really bullish on this idea that, you know, we're, we're gatekeepers. We're, we're providers of opportunity. Mm -hmm. And, and I think, like you said, you know, we are the determinant of our kids success because you know, he he's talked about this a bunch too. The, the teaching force in the United States makes up almost exactly 1% of the population. And it's so crazy to think that that 1% has an impact on everyone else in the 99%. Wow. That's incredible. And, and, you know, like, like to you, to, you know, to your point, I grew up, I grew up small town, Wisconsin and, I'm so lucky that, you know, those teachers that, that I had that made a huge impact on me, like my, the rest of my family still lives there. I live about an hour and away, but I go there and I see them, you know, it's, it's not uncommon for me to see them. Actually, one of my favorite teachers, he was my, he was my high school or my, my elementary school gym teacher. And then he wound up being our varsity basketball coach when I was a junior and a senior is, is now the mayor of my hometown. Wow, that's awesome. So, and he lives right down the street from my sister. So, it, and it's, I mean, it's, it's moments like that. And, and I think too, you know, as a teacher now, um, being a former student, as much, as much as I can, you know, when I see those people really just give them a thank you, I think that's super important. I think that's what I love about that is, is, you know, having been a student and now, um, being a teacher, it really, you know, to kind of round out what the point I was making, it really helps me to understand how valuable those teachers were that, you know, 25 and 30 years after I met these people, they're still having an impact on my life. I think it's, I think it's awesome. Yeah. You definitely realize as a teacher that you didn't thank your own teachers nearly enough. I always am thinking, oh gosh, I need to, need to reach out to them more often because they do, they did so much for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think having, having taught, you know, sixth through eighth grade boys, I think I have a a much greater appreciation for my sixth through eighth grade teachers 
knowing what you know that age group boys were and all the trouble we got into, I was like, man, <laughs> ugh, makes me appreciate that. So, all right. Um, so if you if you could say, I'm trying to think the right the way we were phrasing it, but what is, what is the one thing that you think every kid should be taught in the classroom? This is so tough. I was thinking about this a lot. I, I think all students should be taught how to really communicate with others, how, especially how to listen. I think listening is the first step to, towards empathy, which leads to respect and understanding, all of which are so important now in this day and age. And part of learning how to really communicate and engage with others is learning how to use your own voice, you know, developing the voice that you have and and learning the importance of using it for good. I think I tell my kids that now that if you I want you to learn from fifth grade how how to greet someone, how to have a conversation with them, how to learn from someone else's point of view, how to speak up and share your point of view. I think all of those skills are so much, I mean, so important, so much more important than some of the other facts and information they're going to learn and will help them engage with the world and our community and be successful later on. Yeah, I think, you know, the listening piece, I mean, is so important in a in a world that we live in that gets a lot, it seems like it gets louder and louder every day. Um, but I, the kind of the follow-up that I want to ask you is, you know, you're talking about, you know, helping students develop their own voice, but what's the importance of, you know, you as the teacher developing your own voice? Cause I know there have been times in my career that whether, you know, I was naive or, or things like that, that I really, I, I stayed quieter than I probably should have, whether I, you know, just was like, I'm going to be, you know, be humble or I'm, or I'm not going to try to rock the boat. There are things that I look back on my career that I wish I would have been more vocal about and I would have, um, and not just with my kids, but, you know, in terms of the way the schools were run and things like that. So if you're going to, you know, really show your kids the importance of developing their voice, how, how do you go about developing your own? I think that's a really good point. I think one thing I've learned over my years of teaching is that you it is so important to be yourself as a teacher, to be true to yourself. Kids can see through anything else, right? And so and and you're going to be your best self and your the strongest teacher if you are not trying to be like anyone else, you're trying to be like yourself. So I think that is one thing to think about. And then absolutely, I think we need to model the things that we're trying to teach our students. So if you are wanting them to have a voice and use it for good, then you need to do the same. And if there is something you need to speak up about, I think that you need you need to do that um, and model it for your students. Right. And it's and I think it's just such a it's such a touchy subject you know, with, um, you know, the, the, the way our society is, you know, divided and, 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 you know, like I was kind of saying, it it just seems like, and coming back to that first thing you said was teaching kids how to listen. It's, it's just such a hard situation. And I think as teachers, we're in a tough spot because it doesn't seem like a lot of the world is trying to tell these kids that they need to listen. It's, 
seems like it's trying to tell tell us that we need to talk and and how do you how do you model the listening process i think that's something i i'm interested for sure because i know as a as a 34 year old adult it's still something i struggle with is to really be an active listener and be engaged with the people around so how how do you model that with your kids i think we work on how um, this is some of actually Adam DeVico, who's awesome, uh, was a teacher at the Ron Clark Academy, and he's now a principal in North Carolina. And he focuses a lot on these communication skills. He uses this special acronym. You should look it up. But um, part of engaging in a good conversation is asking questions in return. And so we talk about in order to ask good follow-up questions, you have to really be listening to what that person is saying. Uh, and so, I mean, how we model it explicitly and we practice that exact process of me g- pulling a student up and having a conversation in front of the class and I can model it for them, see how I'm listening to what they're saying and then asking a question back in return and have the kids practice it. I mean, I think some of those skills need to be explicitly practiced in the classroom because it they are. I mean, it takes practice to learn how to do that well. Um, but yeah, I would say modeling it in that way is one is one of the ways that we practice listening and actively being a part of a conversation. Yeah, yeah, we have a we have a friend. His name is Chad Littlefield. He runs a company that's called We and Me, and they have. Um, a bunch of different things both for like the business world and for schools that practice like active listening skills so one of the things they have they're called we uh, we connect cards so it's 60 cards that all have a different question on them and and he modeled this in a training we were in in new mexico one day he everybody picked up a card and you had to ask ask the person you were partnered with the question and you had to listen without asking a follow-up question. Like you couldn't interrupt, you couldn't interject, and you had to practice that skill of just listening without like rebuttaling. And I think that's, for me, on the listening phase, and I love what you say that you make it explicit, is because I think when, when I listen to someone, as soon as they say something that makes me think I can interject in the conversation, I want to interject. Mm-hmm. Rather than, you know, like you said, letting letting the person finish their thought and, you know, gathering and asking the questions in return. But I think that asking questions in return part, especially explicitly in the classroom, I think that's super important. Yeah. And that made me think of some ac- activities where um, you might have one student just be the scribe and one person speaking or you have if you've ever done the. um like you could do a small group of three and each per you ask a question and each person gets one minute to share, but no one else in the group can talk. And then they talk about it at the end. There's some of those different small, um, activities, ways of practicing the skill of, Oh, not everyone can share at once. And you have to really listen to what the other person is saying first. Right. Right. And I think, and like you said, uh, and it, you know, all came back to kind of that question of, uh, you know, what's the most important thing, you know, and it's, and, and you said even to the, and the word that I, I didn't, um, talk about too is, you know, listening to, to empathy, like, 
if you know we could and that's kind of my my thing for kids like if if I could teach you how to be a little more empathetic to the people around you I I think that greatly increases your opportunity to be successful Mm -hmm. Um, and I and like you said I don't think you can have empathy unless you're actually listening to what someone is saying exactly all right so Scrolling through, I, I mentioned your Instagram and how excited it makes me for classrooms and things like that. So <laughs> you you talk a little bit um, about the power of the unexpected. So, you know, what what is the power of doing the unexpected in the classroom? And we'll kind of merge those two questions together is, is how does that help you create engagement in your students? Well, yeah, I do have some non-teacher friends who follow me on Instagram and they they ask why why do you stand on desks and and tables and stools what are you doing and you know i want when kids step into my room i want them to think things are different here um I, I mean obviously there's something to be said for routine and structure and every classroom needs that or it's going to fall apart but having i i think having the power of the unexpected is that it keeps the kids wanting more it keeps them like whoa she, she just got up on a desk. What else is going to happen? Um, or never know. I, I, you want the kids thinking, what are we going to do tomorrow in fifth grade? Um, and being pleasantly surprised by whatever activity is going on. I think you have to switch it up. You can't keep doing the same things. And the power of the unexpected is also powerful for teachers because it keeps me excited to try new things and to be excited to get to school in the morning. And so I think that it helps with that engagement factor, which can lead to more rigor in the classroom, et cetera. Yeah. And you know, when, when, you know, in emails we exchanged kind of getting ready for this, I was thinking, and I had never, I hadn't even comprehended the fact that the unexpected is important for teachers. Like that. I mean, cause I, I know there were times where, where I got to that point where, where I was stagnant and I was, you know, not quite um, as engaged as I want to be. And, you know, being, being that I was a newer teacher, I, I wish, you know, when I started 10 years ago that there would have been the Instagram community where I would have seen, because I don't know that I was like a, a standing on tables kind of guy, but I was a very out there, you know, like, you know, I, I have an outgoing personality, but a lot of the start of my career, I subdued it because that's what I saw. You know, that's what I, and I was in Texas where, you know, it's kind of a lot of the people I taught with were very like, this is the way it is. This is the way it goes. This is what you do. You know, and I didn't know any better, but now, like you said, with the Instagram community and, and, and everything that's out there, you get to see that, that it's okay to be who you are. And, you know, kind of coming back to, your earlier point about, you know, what we're teaching kids and what we're showing them is, you know, you talk about their voice, but you know, when, when you go out and do your thing and you're who you are, it, it shows kids that it's okay to be who they are too. And I think that's, that's such an important point that we can make for kids that like everybody's got different skills and it's not just okay to have different skills. It's you should be shining in whatever those skills you have. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. But I, I, I do kind of want to ask a follow-up question um, on, on that because I know, I'm sure there are teachers, 
out there who, who see you on Instagram or, you know, see people who are doing things that are very similar, whether it's, you know, singing songs or room transformations or, or whatever those things might be and say to themselves like that, that's not me. But I do, I do think there's space for those teachers to find, you know, to find and develop their voice. So what advice would you give a teacher who's maybe a little more on the introverted side or, or things like that to help them, you know, just break out of their shell just that, I mean, a little bit more. Cause like you said, the, that little bit more that they would break out of their shell would, I think make a huge difference for their kids. Yeah. I mean, I, I always tell myself that if we want our kids to take risks and try something new and try, take on new challenges then we have to do it ourselves. And I, I don't, I mean, I'm not, hundred percent comfortable every time I'm trying something new in the classroom. It can be scary to try something new or, uh, you know, when I learn a new song and I'm sharing it with them for the first time, I might, I'm like, like, what if I mess up the words? What if I do something? But I tell the kids that if I mess up, I say, yes, you know, I messed up. We learn from it. We move on. If I can get up here and, and make a mistake, then you can get on up here and sing the song too. And we're all going to make mistakes together. But mistakes help us grow. And, you know, I think it can be nerve wracking to take the first step to trying something new in your classroom, but I, I think it's worth it. And kids are so resilient. If something doesn't work one day, you have tomorrow, like they're not kids. That's one of the greatest thing about teaching kids, I think, because they come in every day and they're just excited for what's to come and it doesn't matter if yesterday you know something didn't work well whatever lesson you were trying it's a new day try something new reflect on it learn from it grow so I think it's important to keep stepping outside of the box well and I think too you made a really good point and you know kind of coming back to a point that you made earlier about kids like if there's one thing any kid knows whether it's in DC or it's in Houston or it's where I am in Wisconsin they know when someone's not being real with them. And I think, you know, one lesson that I wish I could go back and teach myself was kids will forgive just about anything except for you being fake with them. So if you're out there and you're taking risks, even if your kids tease you a little bit and make fun of you for being dorky or being weird, they still, they still will love you for that. They'll love you more for being weird and going outside and making mistakes than they will for, you trying to be this, you know, perfect teacher, or, you know, or, you know, just not being open with them. And I think that's, that's a lesson that I wish, um, I, I would have grasped sooner is that kids are, our kids are super forgiving of, of your faults and your mistakes, as long as you're out there. And like you said, you're out there taking risks and you're trying. Absolutely. So. And it's, again, we always just have to model what, what we want our students to do. So if, if we want them to learn, reflect on something and grow, we have to show them that we're doing the same mm-hmm. every day. Yeah. So, so coming back to, you know, your theater background and all that stuff, um, we talked to a little bit about the importance of arts integration within the classroom. Mm-hmm. So could you kind of elaborate on that and, and maybe give some examples of how you're integrating the arts into your fifth grade classroom? Yes, I love talking about arts integration. I'm so passionate about it. I think first it's helpful um, to, if you're unfamiliar exactly with what arts integration is, I love the definition that the Kennedy Center uses, the Kennedy Center in D.C. 
They say arts integration is an approach to teaching in which students construct and demonstrate understanding through an art form. Students engage in a creative process which connects an art form and another subject area and meets evolving objectives in both. So I think it's helpful to reflect on what arts integration exactly is. I think it is so important in our classes to integrate the arts for so many reasons. When we talk about empathy, I think the arts have a way of connecting us with the human experience in a way that not many things can and teach us to have empathy. Uh, They connect us with each other. They enliven classrooms, uh, teachers. It's the same what I was talking about with the unexpected. Bringing the arts in, it's exciting for the teacher and the students. When we talk about engagement, the arts are a natural way to engage our learners and at the same time bring in um, content and integrate it together so that it makes the learning that much more powerful. So I'm constantly learning more ways I can try and integrate the arts into the classroom. But a couple things that maybe some teachers can try. So one tool that I like to use is an activity called WUSH. And so WUSH, it's a little hard to explain, but I'm going to try my best. So it's an interactive storytelling technique in which students are hearing a story being told watching it unfold before them and acting in it at the same time. So the way it works is that the class would sit in a circle and you begin to tell a story as the teacher. As you come across characters, it could be animals or major, like even inanimate objects in the story you can choose, but you tap on students to enter the circle and become whatever it is you are talking about. So more and more students are adding, coming into the into the circle as characters from the story. Now the rule is in the middle of the circle, they have to do exactly what you're describing their character or animal, whatever it is, as doing. They're not allowed to speak unless you prompt them with something that they say. So you keep going through the story until you say whoosh. When you say whoosh, everyone sits back down and the story continues with the next person in the circle coming in as you keep you kind of keep repeating the same process of bringing people in and then whoosh and it spreads out. So the story is being retold with different, uh, or it continues, the story continues to be told with different students stepping into the role. So for example, if I was telling a story, um, I said, a man was walking through the woods. Now this is where, this is a cool activity because it makes a difference if I say a man was walking through the woods or if I said, a tall, burly man was bounding through the woods. The verbs, the adjectives you use is going to give them, they're really going to have to reflect on what that looks like. So I would tap on a student when I say man. They enter the circle and they start bounding around. And I say he had to weave this way and that because there were so many trees. So maybe I tap on a few students and they come in and they're trees and he's weaving through the trees. After some time, he came upon a rabbit. So I might tap on a student who becomes the rabbit by the the tree who was perched by one of the trees he said hello there little fella so then the person would go hello there little fella and would repeat whatever kind of voice you did and then I might say whoosh and they all sit down and then I continue the story but more people are coming in so obviously that is a really silly story that I just made up right now but this can apply to so many things you could choose you could do a whoosh to preview um like the overarching story of a book that the class might be reading. You could choose one part of a book that you're going to retell as a whoosh. 
You could do this with social studies, with different events um, throughout history to retell them in the form of a wish. My kids love this. They always, um, whenever we move the desks aside and sit uh, to make space, I always go, hey, hey, can we make some space? And they go, yeah, we're ready to make some space. And they have to we practice this routine of moving the desks to the edge really fast so that we can use the floor. And every time we do that and I ask them to sit in the circle, they're always like, are you doing a whoosh? Can we do a whoosh today? <laughs> um, but it's really cool because it's involving all of those different things of listening, seeing, and participating. So that's one. Another tool that I use is tableaus, which a tableau, a tableau is a frozen picture. So if I asked you to make a tableau of a surprise birthday party, you might have you know, some, someone crouching behind something, peeking out the person who's surprised with their hands over their mouth. So, you know, people with their hands in the air, whatever it is, you're trying to recreate a snapshot of that moment. So we use tableaus all the time. You might have a story you're reading and I ask them to make a tableau. They're in small groups. They do a tableau for the beginning, middle and end of the story. You could just choose part of a moment of a story that they're making a tableau of. You, we've done this with history. So if they're representing different, even vocabulary terms or different moments we're learning about, show me in a tableau. And then you can do, you could add text with it and say, if your picture had a caption, what would the caption be? So they, their group has to write a caption. We might, if they're frozen in the tableau, I might ask them to think if each character in this tableau could say one line in this moment, what would it be? And then you point to them and they, they have to really think about, put themselves in the shoes of whatever they're um, representing. So we use tableaus all the time. And then music, obviously, I, I, I use music all the time. Music to teach content, to teach expectations, for transitions, um, all sorts of things. So those are just a few, but I'm constantly trying to learn more ways that I can integrate the arts. Yeah, you know, and it's, and just, you know, in some conversations with friends, uh, you know, we were out at the Teacher Heart Out Conference in Las Vegas a few weeks ago and, and learning from somebody, you know, like you said, music, um, Bethany Humphrey, um, you know, she had this song that she made up and she jumped onto the table and there were like six, <laughs> 700 teachers all singing the same song. And that was really awesome. But, you know, in terms of arts, I think that the definition of what falls into the arts now is so much more beneficial to kids, you know, because when I was in school, it seemed like the arts was like either you could draw or you could paint or you could play music. But now the arts is, you know, really high level digital digital photography and you know, creating music and, and hip hop songs and spoken word poetry and, um, you know, creating videos. Like we have a good, good friend, Eric Crouch, um, you know, who he does these super funny Instagram videos and YouTube videos, but his kids shoot and produce all of them. And that, you know, that's another set of arts integration. I think that's so just, I mean, like even, even with your whoosh story, like I could see kids, like I could see a kid, you know, like crouched down as a bunny rabbit in a circle. <laughs> like it's, it's, it really, and I really, you know, with the whoosh, I, I think doing it that way, you know, when you whoosh the kids out, it, it's a way to keep everyone engaged. Cause I could see how, if you were telling a little longer story, as soon as you pick someone, if you made them be that character the whole time, you, you're going to have kids that start to tune out. Absolutely. Yeah. And I agree. I think what with arts integration, I want 
teachers to realize that it's more, it can be so much more than just doing reader's theater or, you know, a skit in the classroom, or like you said, painting, drawing something out. I think there, there continue to be so many ways. I, so I was telling you that I'm working on this certificate of study through the Kennedy Center has this program called Changing Education Through the Arts, and they offer workshops throughout the year. They're so awesome. I mean, the, the limit of, of the kind of things that you can learn about for arts integration. Um, let's see, we ha- I went to one last year that was all about how to make sculptures just out of paper. It was like the techniques of using paper to make sculptures. And then we learned about how you could ma- use those techniques to make a um, memorial for a f- like, or a statue for a significant person in history or to represent a moment in history, you know, ways that you could, integrate that into the content we there was one on um live action role play with romeo and juliet this was so cool oh my gosh you you had like a different you were given a different um character card we kept reenacting the same moment in romeo and juliet where romeo and juliet meet for the first time and you but you were given a different card of like the character you would play and on the card it said what kind of what house you were for, like what your character traits were, um, where, what you were, your motive was during that scene. And so we kept having to reenact it, but not, there weren't lines or anything. It was just live action role play. And then we would redo it again and say, what, how would the, um, this scene look differently if the women had all the power? How would this scene look differently if this happened? Um, that was another awesome workshop. There was one on called Everybody Sing Freedom, and it was about music during the civil rights movements uh, throughout history, the role that music has played, and then applying how you could use the like kind of same song forms of those songs from the civil rights eras throughout history to rewrite them for civil rights issues going on today. I mean, it's so cool. I I keep trying, I know I have a whole bunch of ideas I want to try this year, new ways to bring the arts into the classroom. Yeah. And I, and I think it's just like, like you've been saying, it's, it just seems like there's so, so much out there and there's so many good things like a lot, like I wasn't sure what you said, live action role play, like what exactly <laughs> that meant, but I think that's such a cool idea you know, and, and even to, you know, coming back to what you said about listening and empathy, it's almost, it sort of almost sounds like the, it's, it's kind of akin to like doing, you know, improv with your kids or, you know, where mm-hmm. you're constantly changing the parameters. But I mean, that's a good way, you know, to teach our kids that listening skill again and empathy when you, when you change the narrative of, of what it could be. And, you know, you talked about, you know, the civil rights movement or, you know, especially because social studies is my background and, and let's be, let's be real about it. There's a lot of things, especially in the history that are not the most exciting in terms of, you know, what, what content they want you to teach in history. But, you know, taking the things that you've talked about, I think you can make history a lot more interactive than it was, you know, not that many years ago when it was just, can you, you know, read and memorize some facts and dates and, you know, then regurgitate them for a test. There wasn't a lot of, there wasn't really a lot of interaction with the material. 
kind of like you've been saying with those things, but you know, just, just with a little bit, like, yeah, I would be into a, a, you know, a live action role play of Romeo and Juliet. I feel like that would be fun. Like I could, (laughs) I, I could enjoy that. Right. And I think if I enjoy it, the kids will enjoy it. Absolutely. So, you know, kind of, kind of trying to wrap it up and, and bring it back though, because I'm sure this is something that's important to you and it kind of goes without saying, but how important, you know, when you're trying to create a, a culture in your classroom, like you are, how important is the relationship piece with your kids? Uh, it's huge. It's everything. I mean, relation it's at the core of everything we do. I think kids will learn from, a teacher they know cares about them and who they care about. I just think that's the truth. And I think in my own experience, the the teachers who I knew cared about me and I really cared about, I was way more invested in my learning. And, and then same for the community in the classroom, you're going to be spending every day together. You want to build those strong relationships among the kids as well. So I, I think it's really important. I, I try, I know, greeting them at the door every single morning, checking in, getting to know them, offering student choice in your classroom so you can see what their interests are, you know, supporting them outside of the classroom. I think all of those things are really important in uh, building relationships. Mm, Yeah. And, you know, this, you know, coming back to, you know, something that I struggled with you know, in my time in the classroom, and I'm, I'd be interested to hear your your perspective on it, you know, being that um, you are a teacher that is out there kind of pushing the boundaries and, and doing things that are different. Um, how important is it that you are creating relationships with your colleagues? Cause I, 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 and I don't want to make assumptions as to what your situation is, but I, I got to imagine that there are some some colleagues that maybe – are not a big fan of the way you do things or, you know, there are probably some people out there, you know, whether it's online or wherever that, you know, don't think the way you operate your classroom and the culture you've created is the right way to do things. So, so what advice would you give teachers on, you know, building those relationships with colleagues? Well, I think, I I think I'm pretty lucky. I have a really supportive administration and some awesome coworkers who I learn a lot from. I think, I think it's important to build relationships with colleagues just because teaching can be a bit of an isolating profession in that you spend all day in your room with children and you're not really around other adults unless you make the effort to do so or unless you're passing them in the lunch room. But I think we have a lot to learn from each other and I think we should realize we're on the same team and we're here for the kids. Um, If we're here for the kids, then we should be sharing the great ideas that we have, the amazing things that are going on in our rooms and cheering each other on because we already have enough people tearing us down. We don't need to be tearing each other down. You know, we need to be supporting each other. I think, I think my advice to someone who would have, who is having a hard time with their colleagues would just be, you know, keep, keep doing you, keep doing the best you can. And, just remember that we're we're all human and teaching can be hard and we've all been there. And so I'm sure we see that sometimes in our colleagues and in ourselves who are it, it just it can be a tough profession. So try and try your best to be um, 
you know, forgiving and just remember that we're here for the kids and try to cheer each other on. Yeah, I think that's solid, solid good advice. So as we, you know, uh, have these kind of few wrap-up questions, some of them are, you know, teaching-based, but they they don't all have to be, so you can answer them however you see fit. Um, What is the best advice you've been given, and, and who is that person that gave it to you? I was thinking about this for a long time, and something that I kept coming back to was not advice that was given to me (laughs) specifically, but um, it is a quote by Mother Teresa that I have in my classroom, and she says, let no one ever come to you without leaving better and happier. Be the living expression of God's kindness, kindness in your face, kindness in your eyes, kindness in your smile. And I definitely do not always live up to this myself, but I try, you know, I just keep thinking our, our time on earth is so precious and we should focus on lifting each other up and, and showing kindness in all we do. So that's something that I strive to do every day. Yeah. And, you know, you know, to that point, like, I, I don't, I can't think of how much of a difference like it's made and and over my teaching career I've had some of the best and closest relationships with kids that I never had in a classroom you know and it and you know like you said like sh- just sharing your smile there are some kids who it means the world to them that when you pass them in the hallway you just smile and nod or smile and say hey or smile and give them a high five I I think as an early teacher, I underestimate the power of just doing those little things. And, and like you said, I think that's a great quote to just let no person leave you without, you know, being better off. I think that's, that's right on. Awesome. So if you, if, if, what's the one thing you wish parents knew about teaching? Oh gosh, I just wish they knew how much time we spend thinking about their children and making school better for their children and how much we want them to succeed and how much we should be on the same team and we are on the same team. Um, Just how much we care. That's what I wish they knew. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty, pretty common, common uh, thing that we, when we ask that question, we get so... If you could offer advice to a teacher who's struggling, what would that be? I think I would say you're not alone. Like I said before, teaching is hard. Make sure you're taking care of yourself outside of the classroom. Don't be afraid to reach out for help. Um, Find something that energizes you and excites you. Try to bring your own passions and interests into the classroom because that'll make the struggle more enjoyable and make you more excited every day. Um, like I said before, be yourself. Um, stay true to who you are. Don't try to be anyone else. And just remember, fail, reflect, grow. You know, each day is a new day. So if you if it's not a good day, try to make tomorrow better. Pick one thing that you're going to try and improve the next day. Um, and it will get easier. Yeah. Okay, what is the best book you've read in the last year? This was so tough. I so I I really tried this past year to read a lot more books that my kids were reading. I tried to challenge myself because like I said I want to model what I expect from them. I wanted to be able to recommend books to them, talk about it. So, I read some great 5th grade books. 
I loved Refugee by um, Alan Gratz. I would recommend that to everyone, not just fifth grade teachers. Um, and The War That Saved My Life by Kimberly Brubaker Bradley is also amazing. So those are two fifth grade reads that I loved. And then I have to say The Wild Card by Hope and Wade King, just because they've made such an impact on my life and they're awesome. And I just love everything they stand for and just think they are doing so much good for classrooms everywhere. Right. Right, right, right. Okay. Your proudest accomplishment to date? Well, what I think for all teachers, what really moves, what really moves me are those little moments and the little thank you notes and the little successes in your classroom. I think those are the greatest accomplishments, but I was also thinking about how I, I not this past year, but the year before, I got to go to the Ron Clark Academy for training. And I went in the very beginning of the school year to my principal. I'd always wanted to go to RCA. I went and told her all about it. And I you know, asked if I could go to her training. And she decided to send me. And I cried. I was so excited. And I went to the training at the, the end of that school year. And I came back and we actually got a new principal last year. And so this past year, I shared with her about my experience and asked if I could share at a professional development of our staff. And so I shared about my experience and she she was so excited by some of the, the tenants that RCA stands for and a, a bunch of my coworkers as well. And she ended up deciding to send more teachers this year or this past year for training. And I she... um. I remember seeing in one of the emails she sent out to try to get funding for their trip. She said, uh, one of our teachers attended your training last summer and has spread RCA's enthusiasm to seven additional teachers and me. We want what Katie has. And so that was a, a, a moment I was proud of because more seven more teachers went last year and now we're um, making, you know, trying some new things in the school to infuse our school with some of these uh, RCA tenant. So I was proud in a small way to kickstart some of those changes. Nice. Nice. Awesome. So before we ask you the last question uh, and get you out of here, uh, if people want to connect with you uh, online or, or wherever and follow what you're doing, what's the easiest way for them to do that? Yes. Yeah, so I am at teaching on tables and feel free to connect. I honestly, that should be a tip to teachers are struggling I joining the Instagram community has made such a big difference over these past few months it's so awesome so many great ideas um, so many awesome people on there so would highly recommend jumping on and connecting with others awesome awesome well before we ask you the last question I just wanted to say thank you it was such an enjoyable conversation and I'm glad even though it it took a little while that we had the chance to connect to them. I'm really excited for for our audience to have gotten a chance to have listened to you. So we really appreciate it. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to chat with you. Yeah, yeah. So our last question is when you know when it's all said and done, whether it's your teaching career or however you want to interpret it, what do you want your legacy to be? Uh, I I want to have just a legacy of joy in all that I do and kindness and I want to people to remember that I, you know, care, respect the dignity of every person and, and care 
care for all those who I encounter and just always put my best foot forward trying to get better every day. Awesome. Well, Katie, thank you so much for, for joining us on the podcast. Thank you. It was such a pleasure.